1: News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the very last minutes of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We've got a big hour coming your way. If you're smart enough to get Fox Nation, you're seeing Mark Thiessen in the studio. Always great, even though he taunted me during Fox and Friends <laughs> that he's taking over my own show by sending me a picture of himself behind my microphone. How dare you, sir? I will press charges. West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey is always a good guest, especially today. Word is he might be running for Joe Manchin's seat next time around. And also, he's part of the big push among Republican uh, and coal actually fossil fuel producing states that have combined to push back on financial institutions who are trying to isolate them and stop investors from coming in to enable us to excavate coal and to be able to drill for oil and gas. So they are pushing back big time. I want to talk to them about that. Uh, and before we get to Mark, let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness
3: at crunch.com. Number three. Republicans won every single statewide contest this cycle with the exception of the U.S. Senate race. I think that shows what a weak candidate Herschel Walker was.
2: Perhaps uh, that is Lachlan Marquet of Axios. Warnock wins and gets six more years in the Senate. Herschel, the GOP, and and Trump lose the runoff. It will be 51-49 in the Senate for two more years. Now Manchin and Cinema are marginalized. More to come.
4: Number two. I think this is criminally negligent uh, by the DHS leadership. They're allowing drugs to flow in our country to kill thousands of Americans every year. They're allowing terrorists to come in our country, and they're doing nothing to fix it.
2: Utter defiance, President Biden goes to a border state but blows off ever going to the border. What does that mean for Texas, Arizona? And Title 42, as it goes away, what can a Republican House make him do?
5: Number one. And it was pretty obvious who was suppressing that information, who was the person with the biggest motive. It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the quarterback of the uh, FBI-Russia collusion scandal.
2: Miranda Devine weighing in, getting bigger. The Twitter scandal grows, and once again, the FBI guy who is in the middle of all of it, disgraced James Baker, was still still suppressing information on Twitter even after Musk took over up until Sunday when he was fired. With me right now is Mark Thiessen. Mark, welcome. Good to be with you. On the runoff, I had hope for Herschel. You didn't. I did
6: have hope for Herschel, and and it ended up being close. It ended up being two points. But look, here's the reality. In the general election— Kemp got 203,056 votes that Herschel Walker didn't, right? So that means 203,000 swing voters pulled the lever for Kemp but not for Walker. If Walker had gotten those votes, he would have been – he'd be senator today. And so what that means is is that there was, some, there was this, these swing voters. The, there's this category of voters who like leaders like Brian Kemp but don't like these trump back candidates. Um, and the only reason he got into the runoff was because of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell spent 39 million dollars in the general election to get Walker in the runoff and then he spent 18 million dollars in the run, in, in the runoff to, so 57 million dollars to try and get Walker over the. You know how much Trump spent in the runoff? How much? 0. 0. He spent a total of 15.03 million across all the Senate candidates combined, all 7 uh that he that he had backed and uh, and that was – the that number came in now, before the election. What did,
2: what did the former president tell you when you, you said that on television? Uh, he didn't tell me anything. Well, didn't he say, all oh, well, well, my appearances? Well, he said
6: his appearances, yes. So he so – he, I, I had a conversation with him, and he told me that basically his – he would come in and do rallies for these uh, – for some of these candidates, and each of those rallies cost him like a, uh, several hundred thousand dollars. So those are – those rallies are – have a monetary value to them. They also have – I mean the reality is they they also – they energize his base, but they also energize the other side's base. Uh, so they have a mixed uh, a mixed value. But he's but he spent no money. He didn't look he, he here's his record right now. Five losses. Walker in Georgia, Oz in Pennsylvania, Bullduck in New Hampshire, Laxalt in Nevada. I don't even he give him Bullduck,
2: because he was very well until last week. Okay.
6: He didn't help him. And he was and he, he was he was run he ran as a MAGA candidate. So uh, whether Trump embraced him or he embraced Trump, there was some embracing going on there. Um two wins Vance in Ohio, Ted Budd in North Carolina. Both of those wins are because Mitch McConnell, again, thirty Mitch McConnell spent thirty two million dollars in, in Ohio in a state where the governor won by twenty six points and he and he had to spend thirty two million dollars opportunity costs. That money could have been spent somewhere else. It could have been spent for Herschel, it could have been spent for somebody else. Um, and thirty seven million dollars in North Carolina. So you know and Trump Trump so the, it, we just got to get – Republicans have to – I'm not hostile to Donald Trump. I talk to Donald Trump. I admire his presidency. I think he was a great, uh, a great president who accomplished things that no other president, including many Republican presidents, could, could accomplish. Um, but he – what's happened with Trump because of what he's done after the election is his base is still loyal, but he's made himself irreversibly toxic to swing voters. And you can't win elections with your base alone. And so what we're seeing, the lesson of these midterms, is that these swing voters are saying no to Trump and Trump-backed candidates. And we got to figure that out because I'm, I, I admire the president, uh, former president, but I don't want to lose in 2024.
2: I want you to hear what Newt Gingrich said because he wrote a column on Friday that got a lot of attention, and he expanded on it last night, cut 21.
7: Well, the truth is if you back out by his standards to achieve what he wants to achieve – Joe Biden has been pretty darn effective, and he had just had one of the best off-year elections in American history. If it wasn't for Kevin McCarthy's leadership on the House side, the Republicans would have had a bad, bad night. And so I would say to you, uh, we have to start by being honest and respectful of our opponent, and our opponent in this case turned out to be a heck of a lot more successful than we thought he would be. Pelosi ran a dictatorship with great power in the House. You can despise it or dislike it, but it achieved what she wanted it to and what Biden wanted it to. So I think you've got to start with the reality. And that's I have a new uh, newsletter coming out about rethinking from the ground up. We, We need to understand the Republicans live in a fantasy land and do not confront the reality of what they're up against.
6: Newt's right. I mean, and it's 100 percent correct. Look, look, Joe Biden gave us the worst inflation in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis since American Afghanistan. history, the war, the Afghanistan the debacle. Military. I mean, the uh, that which is why we're in war in Ukraine, why Ukraine is at war with America's and NATO's backing right now. And also the worst collapse in real wages in four decades. He keeps talking about how wages are up, but inflation is you – know, I mean this is the, – the, the, the American people do not support the Biden agenda whatsoever. Yet he just turned in the best perform, mid – first midterm performance of any president since John F. Kennedy in the 1960s except George W. Bush right after 9-11. So we we as, a, as conservatives have to take – do some introspection in the wake of this election and see what are we doing wrong because this was the most promising political environment in a generation for the Republican Party. We could have gotten the Senate to the point – if we had gotten 54 votes in the Senate, which was a perfectly achievable goal in this election, we would have been within shouting distance in 2024 of a 60-vote filibuster-proof majority in 2024 because the field is completely tilted toward the republicans. In in the 2024 elections, the Democrats are defending Biden seats. There's not a single Republican running in a state that Biden won, and the only state that's even close was Florida, uh, which was which Trump had won by five by five points. DeSantis just won that by twenty. We're going to win Florida. So we have the, we were, in the, we were, we're going to win the majority next time around if we nominate smart candidates uh, and learn our lessons from this
2: mistake. And I also think when it comes to the president, I think people are going to say, well, you know, I love X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But I just need to know who's going to win the independents and the Democrat moderates. That's just it. You've got to know who's going to win, not who you like. For example, if Rush Limbaugh might be perfect for our audience, number one most popular. If you ran him, he couldn't win a general election, so you can't run him. Correct.
6: Yeah. No, it's exactly right. And so we need to look I mean, we need to look at it very dispassionately because what we need to do is win. So who is the candidate who can best help us to win? I mean, I just look at Ron DeSantis and, you know, I, I have great respect for a lot of people who are considering. Right. I love Mike Pence. I like, uh, you know, Brian Kemp. So people are talking about him. Uh, you know, there's a bunch Nikki of people Haley, out there. Nikki Haley. Christine um, there's great. There's a Youngkin. lot of great. All all great. All, I, I admire them all. Who is the person who just proved in this election that they can that they can win those independents. Ron DeSantis not only won Florida by 20 points, he won independence in Florida by 20 points. He won women by seven points. He won he won Hispanics by 16 points. I mean, right. that's what you want to recreate on the national stage. And what's great about DeSantis and why he's attractive to me as a candidate is that he gives you everything you love about Donald Trump. He's a counterpuncher. He goes after the woke left. He goes after Disney and all the rest of it. But he's also a policy wonk who's – it's like if Donald Trump and Mitch Daniels had a baby, it would be <laughs> Ron DeSantis because Daniels is one of the – he's not very charismatic, but he's one of the great wonky conservative reform governors in the uh, in the country, in Indiana. He did amazing things in Indiana. DeSantis is doing that in Florida too. He's he, So he's a policy wonk. If you watch his debate with Charlie Crist – it was just a masterpiece of detail. He knows, the, he knows all the numbers. He's got all well, the receipts. And then the other you know, thing – is interesting.
2: He, Jared Kushner told me that he'd be calling him every day yeah. before 8 o'clock to say, what do you got? What are your numbers? Here are my numbers. What do you think? What are yeah. you hearing?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing he is is that when when the when the hurricane hit, he flipped a switch and turned into the – model of a chief executive in a time of crisis. I mean, this is just literally days after he had just sent a plane of of illegal migrants to Martha's Vineyard. He turned And to, to call Biden to task for his failures at the border, he turned around and worked with Biden to fix the bridges, to deliver relief, to get, get all these things done, mm-hmm. and didn't get any fights with reporters on like that. So he does everything you like about Trump, he does without all the baggage. And right. All the Some fault. people
2: say more warmth, more one-on-one, but yeah. you can develop that. And yeah. also um, – uh, well, we'll talk about that. When we come back, I want to give a complete segment, Mark, on what's happening with Twitter. It turns out – Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss were getting the information from Elon Musk. they have permission to start publishing this. Okay, fine. All of a sudden, the slowdown happened. And some criticism saying, why is Musk letting this leak drip out? Yeah. Just let us have it. It turns out it wasn't Musk's decision. It was Jim Baker's decision. The same guy involved in the Durham probe, the Mueller probe, every other controversial move from the FBI. Same Jim Baker fired on Sunday. Let's see what happens on Wednesday. Mark Teakson on that, and we come
0: back. Brian Joe.
1: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: He's so busy, he'll make your head
10: spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. What surprised me is that Twitter made the decision in the first place to censor. Well, liberal Democrats should be for the principle of standing up for First Amendment speech. And New York Times Sullivan said, we want speech to be open, uninhibited, wide-ranging. Now, I get Twitter is a private actor, but they're effectively a modern public square. And uh, it was disappointing to me that they... We're suppressing
2: the, the New York Post. Congressman Kahana, Democrat, obviously, Bernie Sanders disciple, clearly, and he was just honest. At the time in 2020, he said it was a mistake, and emails have been serviced, the show, to suppress this New York Post story. And I give him credit for it, Mark Teeson.
6: Well, not only did he say it, it's not. And by the way, he he's one of these it's doubling down. Pe- one of these people who comes on Fox all the time, which which most, uh, yeah, most he's people nice, like. He's him. A nice person. He's a nice person, and he wants to engage the other side. And he's 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 the kind of liberal that I really respect because even though I fundamentally disagree with him, he wants to respectfully engage the other side and come and talk to our to, to our viewers and our listeners, and that's great. But he didn't say this just offhand in and in a Fox interview. He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal making this case. That takes time and 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 intense. Uh, to say this. And he's 100 percent correct. And I wish more people on his side of the aisle felt this way.
2: So we should be. People should understand. So we thought the biggest story was Elon Musk is going, given permission to Barry Weiss of Substack, of, gone to the left, but former New York Times writer and Matt Taibbi to go ahead and run with the information that he's unearthed about what was going on leading up to the 2020 election and beyond. And it stopped Mysteriously, it stopped after one day, and we thought, "What's the big deal?" Well, on Saturday, on Sunday, it was revealed that the person who stopped it was slowing everything down was a guy named Jim Baker. And the word from Barry Weiss is, "My jaw hit the floor." The writer said he couldn't believe it. it's the same Jim Baker that was involved in the Mueller report and the Durham report, involved with James Comey and Peter Strzok, as well as uh, uh, Lisa Page and others. He was James Comey's general counsel.
6: I mean, he, he was the, he was the FBI general counsel during this whole. Uh, Trump Russia collusion conspiracy theory. He was involved in the Alpha Bank scam. You know that was that was uh, to, to try to link Trump tried to, to, Alpha, Alpha, Bank. to the Alpha Bank. I mean. You know, this is this is this reminds me of Michael
2: Sussman dropped off information that he was concerned for the country. Yeah, exactly. Donald Trump's link to this. Yeah.
6: So, I mean, this reminds me of like, you know, when when there's a presidential transition and you got these uh, left, you got these left wing people who burrow in in and as as career foreign service officers or career career civil servants and try and continue to undermine the, the next administration. This guy's sitting in Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, he has no business being there uh no one seems to realize that he's there at least in uh, that and he, he's vetting the, the the information that's coming out I, I i hope they do forensic uh accounting of his all of his email accounts of all of his uh, that because who knows what he destroyed I know. and by the way they bet they would need to do that and then and he needs to if if see, if he if he tried to uh, to to destroy anything we don't know that he did but if he but he was certainly holding stuff back if if he tried to destroy anything or or hide anything, then he should be prosecuted.
2: So Elon Musk tweets out, in light of the concern about Baker's possible role in the suppression of information important to the public dialogue, he was exited from, t- uh, from Twitter today, meaning Sunday. Twitter user whatever says to Musk, was he asked to explain himself first? Musk response, yes, his explanation was unconvincing. Uh, Musk only discovered this on Sunday. So Taibi, you would think, as well as... Uh, Barry Weiss, are going to have at it and make more things public, including the shadow banning. Did that ever happen to you? Uh, I don't know. Right.
6: Yeah, we don't know. We don't
2: know how many followers we would be having. Yeah. We don't have many tweets that would have been exposed yeah. and some that would push down. So one of
6: the really things I, I uh, – I did a column this week on TikTok and uh, the Chinese communist control of TikTok. And one of the things that TikTok does uh, that people don't realize is that if you put up content on TikTok that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like – they suppress it but they not only suppress it they do they do falsely inflate your viewers so if you're the if you if you put up a a, a, a video of the protest in China this week what they will do is they will make sure nobody else sees that but they will make it look you can see it and it'll make it look like people are seeing it to you. So they'll inflate the viewers. Now, I have no idea if people were doing that in in in, in Twitter, but there's there's ways of doing things to make it seem like you're not being suppressed even while you are suppressed.
2: But TikTok, to, for example, China knows what inflames this country. Racial division, police brutality, uh, the MAGA, all the things that get us divided and polarized. They're doing that yeah. within our country to divide. And they're obviously pro-Democratic Party. They liked having Joe Biden there, want no part of Trump, and they're Trump up that.
6: So here, here's the thing about TikTok. This is one of the things that drives me crazy about all this focus on, on Twitter, which I, I think I'm glad we're exposing what was happening in there. But the left's like freak out over Elon Musk controlling Twitter. Where is this freak out about the Communist Party controlling TikTok? Which, which a third of the, of the United States of America is on TikTok. Young. The, the, and young people in particular, right? And TikTok is so pernicious that if you – what people don't realize, it's not just that every social media site follows what you watch and tries to feed you stuff and all the rest. But that's fine. That's not what TikTok does. If you have TikTok on your phone, they're following you not just what you're doing on the app. They can follow what you're doing off app. They can follow what your, what websites you're going to in your browser. They can follow your keystrokes. So you go into your bank account and type in your your username and password. China has that. What do you, you suggest a, we do about you it? You send an encrypted message. Okay, so an encrypted app, no one can read it. They can follow your keystrokes, so they know what your messages are. This is all. This is being stored and 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 uh, controlled by the Chinese. We should ban it
2: right away. Right away. Right. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah, there is Barack Today. Obama sitting Indian style, talking with a so-called TikTok influencer, trying to get them to vote for Democrats. Exactly, and Joe Biden doing the same thing with someone um, about seven nose rings, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, You're only to up see you only up two. Yes, <laughs> not on right now because I'm at work.
1: information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: Georgia, I don't want you to miss what you've done. In a moment in which there were folk trying to divide our country and those forces are very much at work right now, Georgia did an amazing thing. In 2021, it sent its first African-American senator and its first Jewish senator to the United States Senate in one fell swoop.
2: You have done it again. Thank you, And uh, That is uh, Senator Raphael Warnock will get six fresh years because he beat uh, by two points Herschel Walker. So uh, he wins. He'll move on. And people talked about it, you know if he has a win, this is not a convincing win. But if he does have a win. That will look like maybe Raphael Warnock will have a chance to be a leading candidate should Joe Biden choose not to run. But yesterday we found out that Macron told others that Jill Biden told him that Joe Biden is running for another four years, which is astounding because he's not a well guy. You had to see his some of his speech yesterday in Arizona; just muddles right through it. Doesn't even know why is there or who's next to him, and I just can't believe he'll go forward. But if you, as Newt Gingrich spelled out. He has had uh, Democrats are getting a lot done with him in charge. Here's Herschel Walker, cut 16.
9: I've done a lot of stuff. Uh, you talk about Heisman Trophy, you talk about all the athletic awards, business awards i won. But the best thing I've ever done in my whole entire life is run for the Senate seat right here. And the reason I'm going to say that is I got a chance to meet all you and to hear what you guys feel about this country, and I got a chance to for you guys to tell me what you do feel about this country. I got a chance going to your homes, got a chance that you uh, invested in Herschel Walker, and I thank you, and I thank you so much.
2: So obviously exhausted. Uh. You know, they had problems. His son hopped on social media again and just started ripping his dad and said, you know, Donald Trump begged him to run. You should have had if you just ran a normal, boring white candidate, you would have had no problem. He you, you goes, this is identity politics. See what his son thinks. Meanwhile, Van Jones weighed in. He thinks Herschel Walker was an embarrassment to the black community. Cut 17.
11: Herschel Walker used to mean inspiration. Now it means insult. He's an insult to the black community. And what you may see tonight is people coming out not just to vote uh, in favor of a senator that they love, but just to vote against Donald Trump picking somebody like this and throwing this person at the voters in Georgia. Like, well, you'll just pick anybody who's black. His judgment, Trump's judgment uh, tonight is going to be, I think, called into question by a lot of people. A
2: couple of things. Uh, Hershey Walker's not dumb. Uh, Van Jones should know that. Number two is he's done a lot, and I think that this guy is a friend of Donald Trump. It's not a matter that he's black or white. They've been friends since the 80s. Why Van Jones, who I think is extremely intelligent, often insightful, and goes, uh, will be a true analyst rather than partisan a lot of times. Not here. I don't understand what he mean by insult. He's a Republican from Georgia, had a lot of athletic success, graduated early, was doing exceedingly well, has done extremely well in every school he did. When he wants to relax, he doesn't read Sports Illustrated, he reads uh, the Bible. Uh, Patrick Morrissey joins us now, the West Virginia Attorney General. Mr. Attorney General, thanks so much for joining us. Great to hear from you.
12: Hey, Brian, it's good to be with you. I
2: hope you're doing well. So what does this mean, uh, Mr. Attorney General, to Joe Manchin and the power that West Virginia got through Joe Manchin in the Senate now that it's no longer 50-50?
12: Look, I think that uh, Senator Manchin is no longer the single most powerful U.S. Senator in Washington, (laughs) D.C., and we'll have to see how much that influences his desire to run for re-election. But what I will tell you this, I think West Virginians are getting ready to elect a new U.S. senator. And I think that if you look at this past election cycle, the most important thing, you have to have people who have that deep credibility in taking on the Biden administration, what they're trying to do, how they're trying to transform the country, but not just be negative, but be positive about their own vision as to how the country is going to be restored as a constitutional republic that respects the rule of law and freedom.
2: So you're thinking about running, right?
12: I am. I'm considering, uh, very seriously, considering running for Senate or for governor of our state and just taking the time to do it right. Obviously, uh, Brian, I'm still the attorney general of West Virginia, and we've been focusing on really big things. We've had huge victories this year, obviously the big West Virginia VPA case, uh, the largest per capita opioid settlements in the country, the largest uh, school choice uh, law. We defended that successfully. So we're doing a lot, and we have a lot more on our front, on our plate, especially tackling this fentanyl epidemic that's poisoning our kids. In West well, I, you
2: know what? Do you guys, excuse me for not knowing this, but I did not know you have a school choice law where the money will follow the student if they want to go private?
12: Yeah, it, it's a great, great law, and it was, Enjoying for a number of months, Uh, but we've started out with about 3,300 kids who are going to be going and going to get some expenses defrayed, whether through tuition or travel or other kind of expenditures. And it's actually going to make quality education uh, reachable for some of the less fortunate within West Virginia. And I think that's a great thing because West Virginia needs to innovate in education. We're doing some great things, but the success of a state starts with your educational system, and I think we're starting to take the right steps.
2: Well, a couple of things. One thing I really appreciate what you guys are doing is, you. Uh, first off, I got to get you to comment on what Joe Manchin wanted in exchange for the Inflation Reduction Act, which is everything he was holding out for for two years to avoid. He signed off on it in exchange for some pipeline extensions and some drilling. He's not going to get either because Republicans aren't going along with it. He did not get his ducks in a row before he cut the deal. Does that hurt West Virginia, so, and what would it have done? First of all,
12: uh, it absolutely hurts West Virginia when you cut a deal that, for a law that hurts your state. That Inflation Reduction Act actively harms West Virginia. Our coal, uh, our oil and natural gas, our energy jobs, our manufacturing, there are going to be a lot of challenges flowing from that law. We could go through, obviously, this is not even factoring in the 87,000 IRS agents and the other aspects of the bill that are from. It's not going to reduce the deficit. It's not going to be shaving money off the, the debt. But I think he let a lot of people down and for something that, if it was real, he should have gotten it up front before they ever voted for the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. That's not how you do things. And look, I root for Senator Manchin, and I root for uh, those who are trying to get a pipeline it's very good for West Virginia. We need to do that in order to facilitate energy independence as a nation and to serve as an exporter to folks around the world. When you look at what's going on with Putin right now and how he's trying to blackmail Europe in terms of uh, energy pricing, I think that it makes so much sense for America to have the ability to export more overseas. Biden administration won't let that happen. And unfortunately, mansion uh did not cut the right deal and we're gonna pay a price for it right
2: so what you want to do what you guys are doing i think it's great for for fossil fuel producing states you guys are combining with attorney generals to sue these financial institutions that are stopping the investment in fossil fuels uh where it's whether it's coal oil or gas tell us where this suit is at
12: yeah well a couple things first of all we've been out in front leading on this issue we have Multiple coalitions were leading against the Securities Exchange Commission and, uh, Brian, as you know, they want to change the nature of the SEC from being an investor enforcement arm into being an environmental regulator, effectively forcing disclosures from companies that have nothing to do with energy production, one of the most onerous and problematic regulations we've seen in a while, and they don't have authority to do it. Uh, In West Virginia, We're also trying to make sure that if you're a bank or a financial institution, you can't discriminate against fossil fuels. And we're actually going to have some news coming out very soon, because I believe beyond what the legislature has passed and the work we're doing to push back on the federal overreach with ESG, there are also fiduciary duties that get violated When these left wing woke activists try to push these ESG uh, uh, metrics, and we're going to be weighing in on that in West Virginia. The bottom line, Brian, is that these ESG policies, they're trying to steal power and force the corporate boards to serve the will of the state. That's not America. That's not freedom. And we're going to fight that and beat that.
2: So I want you to hear the West Virginia state's uh, treasurer waited on this, Riley Moore. Listen. We've had now, I mean, six states.
3: Florida's now joined. West Virginia was the first state to divest from BlackRock. This is a growing movement in pushback against ESG and woke capitalism. We know ESG is a scam. It does not work. I think as we saw here just recently, you had BlackRock actually close one of their ESG ETFs because there was a lack of interest in it. The people are speaking on this and they are gonna pay the price. And you said $8 trillion assets under management. I wanna be clear, just earlier this year, that was 10 trillion. They have lost $2 trillion because of this faulty and phony ESG
2: investing scheme. So that's what you plan to do. Make them pay a price. So you're going to go on the offensive because basically fossil fuel fuels the world. Responsible fossil fuel. We are the we are the epitome of that. Instead, we have discovered we have a pressure on financial institutions by woke groups to divest, even though it benefits the average pension fund, the average IRA to be involved in this. And you're saying, OK, if you're going to do that and hurt my state, I'm going to sue you.
12: Well, look, uh, if you're going to play politics, you should expect that there's going to be response. And if you're going to break the law, then there needs to be a legal response in a suit. And Brian, on the attorney general level, it's been publicly reported that many of the states obviously involved in multiple antitrust uh, lawsuits and that also there are activities right now to push back on what's been going on to make sure that the federal government doesn't have this power grab to get rid of fossil fuels or do a backdoor effort to implement the Green New Deal. We actually succeeded in pushing back against the Biden administration's regulatory power to implement parts of the Green New Deal with the big West Virginia VPA Supreme Court win over the summer. We're certainly not going to let them now create new phantom authority, to wipe out fossil fuels Mm -hmm. and pursue this woke agenda. What
2: banks have you hit?
12: Well, I think there have been uh, five to six banks uh, that have been mentioned in West Virginia. Um, I know that there's been some conversation uh, back and forth uh, about that in terms of some of them are uh, arguing that they're not engaging in discriminatory practice. So that process is uh, ongoing. I can tell you this much from an AG perspective. We've been looking very closely at BlackRock and Vanguard. We've been very concerned about their activism. And obviously we're weighing in with mm-hmm. legal opinions about the things that they and mm-hmm. other larger financial institutions are doing.
2: You know, what's interesting is I think in way – what I saw on Disney when DeSantis went after Disney and, and took their autonomy away, they that will give the CEOs uh, ammunition to tell their woke employees, hey, guys, can't do this. You're going to hurt the investors, the shareholders, if I listen to you. We're not going to lose Orlando. I'm not going to lose money. I'm not going to lose money in a suit. It's going to hurt my company if I go along with your woke policies. I got to get practical. You might be giving— companies that want that leverage the leverage to do the right thing have you thought about that
12: yeah look i think that we've tried to engage a lot of the corporate boards and i think that there are a number of people who don't want to move in the same direction of europe or other places and have the gun put to their head for these ESG.
2: and you're helping take that gun away
12: well right so i think one of the things we're looking to do, and I've been talking with my colleagues about this, is that we've opened up through our office and many others multiple fronts against this ESG, their efforts to do it on a federal level, their efforts to influence the boards. And that's why you're seeing the level of activity and aggressiveness among the AGs, because we want to send a message to the uh, corporate boards. If you get pressured by the feds, there are going to be a block of red states that team up, and they're going to have an awful lot of economic clout on their own, and they're going to give you cover. And you need to work with this and not fall prey to the pressure and the threats from the Biden administration.
2: Go get him. I hey, listen, Mr. Attorney General, good luck with your decision whether to run uh, for Senate. Uh, he is the Attorney General of West Virginia, Patrick Morrissey. Thanks so much, Patrick. Hey, thanks so much, Brian. Be well. I uh, Talk to you soon. 1-866-408-7669. We come back and be able to squeeze in some calls and get your insight. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. On a side note, Aaron Judge has just re-signed, I think, the biggest contract, I think, in sports history. Nine years, $360 million to stay a Yankee.
1: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. There's it-
9: not a f- chance in hell he's clean. No, not a chance in hell. As big as the Rock is at 50, when you're looking at a physique, let's look at a physique of the Rock, like a full jacked Rock. Find find the Rock at his most jackety jacked.
6: He's like, like pretty f- peaked in terms of like it, the last few years. He's definitely like turned it up a notch for at 50. Plus.
9: Yeah.
1: That's natural, bro. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That's,
6: how could you think otherwise? Eats a
9: lot of sushi. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> point is, it's like you can't even get there with HRT. That's yeah. not HRT.
2: I don't know what HRT is. I guess it's some human growth. Hormone uh, replacement therapy. You are on believe. that, Eric? I believe. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's uh, so how he go down. You see how quick he answered that, Alice? I mean, we have to get a blood test for Eric. So that is Joe Rogan talking about the size of the rock. Look. The Rock is an extremely well-built man, and he looks totally different than he did when he was wrestling. He had a little bit of, I guess, somewhat of a chubby face. You know, big guy, looks like a defensive lineman in the NFL. Now he looks like bigger than most winners of Mr. Universe could
13: So you would agree that he's on something probably more than HRT?
2: Yes. In fact, I watched him on a... I watched him on a movie. I can't forget to remember that he was football coach in an inner city school, and he long, he probably looked about two sixty. I'd say now he's about three thirty, and so So, is that a big deal if he's on it? I mean, is that a big if people are going to demand that they know? I mean, he's not violating anything. Can you do a movie on steroids? Am I allowed? I could do this show on steroids. I mean, you are. No, no, no. <laughs> have you? Well, I would tell you if I was on steroids because I would make it part of the show.
13: You, you try to like wear tighter shirts and take your jacket off more often. And
2: rageaholic, I'd be uh, raging all the time.
13: Because uh, you don't rage at all now.
2: Not, at <laughs> all, not that much. <laughs> I'm joking. I do have some moments. There's no that about. It.
13: No comment. No, you're getting um, really pretty good.
2: But I will say this just so interesting that now on television we have nine years, $360 million for Aaron As Pete just looked up. Mike Trout's got the biggest contract. I don't know how many years this is, but he's got $426 million. Mookie Betts, $365 million for the Dodgers, and Aaron Judge, $360. This guy just had just shy of a triple crown season, set the single season clean home run record. How is he third? How is he not first? 31 years old, 30 years old. I'm so glad he's coming back, though. They should immediately say, He replaces Derek Cheater as captain. Can you get that done, Allison?
13: Are you saying his agent did a bad deal?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from 48th and 6th in midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. So glad you're here. This hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Zach, uh, Zach Moffitt. And Zach is uh, coming to us with an interesting perspective because he is, um, he is a CEO of Targeted Victory. Uh, it's, he, uh, he talks about discussing the change relationship with the GOP in corporate America. They have become a blue-collar. They've become a blue-collar party. Now- they did lose big midterm election. We'll talk about that. But for the most part, the only thing they're missing is any support from any unions because just they're firmly, the leadership head, uh, heads are firmly in the court of the Democrats. So we'll talk about that. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com.
3: Number three. Republicans won every single statewide contest this cycle with the exception of the U.S. Senate race. I think that shows what a weak candidate, Herschel Walker, was.
2: Possibly. Uh, Lachlan Marquet of Axios. Warnock wins and gets six more years in the Senate. Herschel, the GOP, and, and Donald Trump lose that runoff. It'll be 51-49 in the Senate for two years, and now Mansion and Cinema are marginalized.
14: Number
4: two. I think this is criminally negligent uh, by the DHS leadership. They're allowing drugs to flow in our country to kill thousands of Americans every year. They're allowing terrorists to come in our country, and they're doing nothing to fix it.
2: Unbelievable. That is true. And we do the same story all the time. Utter defiance. President Biden goes to a border state, but blows off going to the border. Says it's not important to him, even though Title 42 is going away.
5: Number one. And it was pretty obvious who was suppressing that information. Who was the person with the biggest motive? It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the quarterback of the uh, FBI Russia collusion scandal.
2: Uh, that Miranda Devine, of course, getting bigger. The Twitter scandal grows. And once again, an FBI guy is in the middle of it. Disgraced Jim Baker was still suppressing information as of Sunday, even after Musk took over. And I'll take your calls on this, but I want to start right there. So Jim Jordan joined me earlier to talk about this. So Jim Baker was involved with James Comey as his lead counsel. He was involved with Peter Strzok. He was involved with Lisa Page. He was involved with everybody, Andy McCabe Bond, down. He's in the middle of all the trumped up. Russia collusion crap. He was with the Hillary Clinton emails who, uh, on a Saturday afternoon without James Comey present, she was able to get deposed and with her lawyer there walking her through, was able to get off. And next thing you know, they turned the tables and tried to tar Donald Trump. And they slowed him down for two and a half, three years. So Jim Baker, to be, get fired from the FBI, show up on Twitter, stay through the purchase and then this emerges, Matt Taibbi, who was told by Twitter uh, owner Elon Musk, you and Barry Weiss, you can go through all these emails about this communications in 2020, leading up to what Twitter was doing, suppressing things like the laptop from that we know of Hunter Biden. So this was being exposed and then it stopped. Then my, Matt Taibbi revealed that one of the people that stopped it was the legal authority uh, in Twitter. And who's running it? Jim Baker. Jim Baker. I'm not kidding. So now you have Jim Baker was asked by Elon Musk before he fired him. What were you doing there? They said well, when asked about it, Musk says his his explanation was not convincing, so they fired him. Only discovered this on Sunday, according to Elon Musk. Matt Taibbi, we hope, will start giving us a flood of communication, find out what's behind the shadow banning, which I think that Twitter really invented. And, of course, it'll make you think, what is Facebook doing? What is Google doing to have similar results? And what is TikTok doing run by China? Similar results of Twitter, which basically is a, as one of Matt Taibbi's uh, tweets put out. 99.9% of Twitter workers were supporters of the Democratic Party. So Jim Jordan joined me today. And here's what he said. Cut three.
4: This Jim Baker's all over everything. He's the one that Zussman came to initially with the file on the Alpha Bank, which was a bunch of garbage. He personally knew Zussman. Zussman was Hillary Clinton's lawyer. He's all over the Durham uh, uh, investigation. So, yeah, this guy's got connections throughout this. Um, We'll just have to wait and see what Barry Weiss and, and, and others uncover and what Elon Musk continues to release.
2: Yeah, we'll see what else. He went on. Cut four.
4: Certainly indirect, they're briefing everybody on, a, it went from, you know, months to, to, to every week they were doing and in the run-up to the most important election we have. And never forget this, Brian, my colleague said it best in, in committee a, a few uh, months ago, but when is the FBI just going to stay out of elections? In 2016, they spied on on President Trump's campaign. 2018 was the Mueller investigation. 2020, they were doing these briefings to suppress the Hunter Biden story that led to the suppression of the Hunter Biden story. 2022, 91 days before the election, they raid President Trump's home. And then a couple weeks ago, three days after President Trump announces he's running for, for the White House in 2024, they name a special counsel who's going to harass him for the next two years. Maybe it'd be nice if they just let we the people, let the American people decide who we want to be president, who we want representing us in the United States Congress. Just let the people decide. Stay out of it, for goodness sake.
2: Yeah, that would be great. And the only way they'll do it is if those 12 whistleblowers, that minimum, that they have in the FBI that are not comfortable with the politicization of the FBI, come forward and force an embarrassment and possible resignation of Christopher Ray unless there's something that comes to light that I can't picture. No, Baker has been everywhere. Some have speculated that he's the Kevin Bacon of the Russian collusion scandal. He's been featured in the Russian investigation launched by the Justice Department, which included the Russia Alpha Bank hoax. What is that? Saying the... Uh, The banking, since Donald Trump was banking at Alpha Bank, he was suddenly getting payments from Vladimir Putin. That was nothing there, there. When Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman wanted to plant the bizarre false story of a secret communication between Trump and the Kremlin, they went to Jim Baker. Baker was his go-to guy, his speed dial guy, according to Sussman. Baker's name also appeared prominently in the controversies related to the Russian-related FBI allegations against Trump. He was effectively forced out due to his role and reportedly found himself under criminal investigation. He became a defender of the Russian investigation, despite findings of bias and even criminal conduct. He also frequently was a target of Donald Trump, as you know. And then for him to be at Twitter and for being him be called out by Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi, I thought to myself, I must be, re- mis- re- I must be uh, misreading this. Cut five, Miranda Devine.
5: And it was pretty obvious Who was suppressing that information? Who was the person with the biggest motive? It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the top lawyer at the FBI, the quarterback of the uh, FBI-Russia collusion uh, scandal. Um, And he had had to leave the FBI because of that. And lo and behold, he shows up at Twitter five months before the 2020 election. And lo and behold, one little element did come out in the Twitter files Friday night. It was this one email... Uh, that had the date and time removed from it, very peculiarly. But it was from James Baker, and it was uh, weighing in on the decision on the morning of October 14, 2020, a few hours after our story uh, came out. Um, And there was James Baker weighing in on the side of censorship. No surprise.
2: No surprise. I worried that he took something. Why would you stay around knowing when your name surfaces... Many in the media are going to have a have a coronary and aneurysm why because it's worth the risk? Why is it worth the risk? Perhaps he news. Knows how much is in there that's going to make the left look bad, make the FBI look terrible, look as if there's collusion to suppress prior to 2020 and beyond. And it's worth sticking around. Number one, he's got more cyber I, uh, cyber expert friends probably than I have friends, period. So we could get in there and say, how do I find a way to get rid of this without putting my fingerprints on this? Or I could control the message by dribbling out the information and letting Taibbi and Barry Weiss think, They got everything. I'm not sure. Either way, I'm not happy. Tucker Carlson was on with us today, but here's a little of what he said to Laura Ingram last night. Cut eight.
11: On the question of the control that tech has over people's minds... Not only will Republicans not get elected if that continues, we won't have a democracy. You can't have a democracy in a country in which information is centrally controlled because people don't have the information necessary to make informed decisions. So, no, this this is the actual threat to democracy. When the FBI tells a tech company to hide information from voters three weeks before an election, that's not a democracy. It's less than a democracy, obviously.
2: And Tucker has this great... Uh, Biden Inc. special on Tucker Carlson originals on Fox Nation. And he really gets into detail on it. I think it's important you watch. Not matter being pro-Trump, anti-Trump. I know over of you, everyone picks a side every day. Don't. J- just right or wrong. And I'll say this, and I'm I'm going to come off naive. You know what my hope is? That Barack Obama didn't know any of this. That he was not part of this. Now, he was briefed on Trump and what Trump was involved with when he was in his last year of office, last few months in office. But I would love that because Rokihana weighed in, and he's on the left, and he's a Bernie Sanders supporter, and he wrote an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. But actually, emails were discovered and unearthed, and he's obviously from Silicon Valley. You know he's from California, and you know he's a Democrat. Cut
10: one. What surprised me is that Twitter made the decision in the first place to censor Look, liberal Democrats should be for the principle of standing up for First Amendment speech. And New York Times Sullivan said we want speech to be open, uninhibited, wide ranging. Now, I get Twitter is a private actor, but they're effectively a modern public square. And uh, it was disappointing to me that they were suppressing the, the New York Post.
2: When we come back, I'll take your calls, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine from Los Angeles to Ohio to Connecticut. I'll get to you, and then Indiana, in that order. Uh, meanwhile, the other news, big news for Yankee fans, uh, WABC listeners, Aaron Judge is not going to San Francisco, is sticking around New York for nine more years, until you're saying, why did we sign him so long? I know you, Yankee fans, but he's the best player in baseball. He's the sportsman of the year. Just shy of the Triple Crown. He hits a ton. Single season home run record for the American League. Really evolved baseball with 62. you listen listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
1: Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Paid relational organizing, and it's become... Uh, a much bigger part of the Democratic playbook. It was pioneered during the 2021 runoffs in Georgia in the John Ossoff race. It basically involves, you know, a small stipend to uh, to everyday Georgians, $200 from an independent group. The Warnock campaign was paying $500, and they're asked to basically have conversations with their acquaintances, with their friends, their family, their coworkers, and you know, just talk about the importance of voting in an election, and you know, if you're Democrats, the uh, the, the merits of a particular Democratic candidate. In this case, Raphael Warnock, the, the Democratic groups that are, are using this tactic are confident and research backs it up that this can be a very potent way to get your voters to the polls, encourage low propensity registered voters to turn out for a candidate. You know, it can be much more effective than just sort of generic political advertising when you're talking to someone you know and trust. And you can expect to see this tactic really ramped up ahead of 2024.
2: And that is a new tactic. It's basically like multi-level marketing. You get people involved. You invite people in. You try to convince them what to do, and you pay them per people you convert. Barry in Los Angeles. Hey, Barry.
4: Hey,
15: hey, Brian. Um, for Mark Thiessen to give Mitch to give praise to Mitch McConnell is a complete joke. First of all, prior to the November election, he said how he wasted money on Vance and Bud. What about the nine million he wasted on Murkowski for a guaranteed Republican? Terrible. Fee? Then, then, then before just before the runoff, he they they pass a meaningless defensive marriage bill. They then, then they they're talking about a huge omnibus to take power away from the newly elected Republican House for at least a year. And then the night before the election, we hear that they're talking amnesty for DACA. Mitch McConnell torpedoed. He torpedoed Herschel Walker. So for Mark Thiessen to say that is just a complete well, joke. I don't,
2: I don't think the immigration talk has anything to do with it. It was Tom Tillis. Number two, I don't, the omnibus thing hasn't been signed. Number three, what they tried to do, the theory with that is same-sex marriage is a non-issue. No Republicans against it. No one's running against it. So take it off the table. So if you want to codify it, don't come out against it. You just take it off the table because nobody cares uh, about it in America. Live or let live. I, we've passed that. It's not 2008 anymore. But the whole thing about Murkowski, 100 percent right. And he did pay. He was right about that. He paid a lot more than Trump for Donald Trump's candidate. And he paid that money to Brian Kemp and Brian Kemp used to get out the vote campaign. So that is true. Wayne, listen, WHO. Hey, Wayne.
9: Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you today? Great. Thank you. Hey, so uh, your, your your news bit there on Biden going to Arizona and not going to the border he had no need to go to the border. Everything down there is just fine. He, um, it's going the way he wants it to go. Uh, he doesn't have a problem with anything. It's meeting his agenda, and it's meeting the less narrative. So why, why bother taking the trip down there? Everything's perfect as far as his administration is concerned.
2: You know, sadly, I'm, I'm, I tend to agree with you. He doesn't want to see it, and it's a disaster, but it's a disaster that he's, he's created. But now there's a report, and I have not got confirmation, that a Border Patrol agent died today uh, when, his, uh, when, his, uh, when his off-road vehicle uh, got in an accident chasing down one of these illegal aliens. So, Wayne, here's the thing. Senator Kelly went down there and said, we got to build this up. The governor said, even the Democratic governor says, we have to build up the border. So let's see if she, they're going to go against or if they're really going to dig in or just giving lip service during the election. But, but Arizona is an absolute mess, and Texas is an absolute mess. New Mexico is a mess, but it's got a Democratic governor. So it is his plan. I just don't know how long he believes that this will benefit him. Sadly, Wayne, he did not pay the price in this election. Norma listening in Connecticut. Hey, Norma.
14: Hey, hey, Brian. Listen, where is the bleach bit guy? Get a hold of Elon Musk and have him check his employee records and see if that Hillary's bleach bit guy is now working at Twitter. Because guess what he'll be doing?
2: Right. Uh, every vi- every villain uh, will be, uh, be brought up. Find out where they're located and see if they're at Twitter. And, you know, see if he was one of the myriad have been told to quit or decide to quit. Do you know that uh, this idiot mayor, Mayor London Breed, is going after Twitter, sending investigators in because... Twitter employees were working around the clock trying to make the transformation under their new owner. And they said, Wilson, if you're going to work around the clock, why don't I get you some beds? And they said they're now looking to whether the Elon Musk illegally got beds into the office space in violation of their rental agreement. In a time in which they have open parks where people are shooting each other up, fentanyl deaths, homelessness everywhere. People are being hit with hammers in heads mysteriously. You're going to go go on Elon Musk's Twitter building and find out if he illegally put a bed there so workers can work more. To me, that is absolutely insane. So meanwhile, I hope to see everybody on KFT, especially KFTK listeners. I'm supposed to see a Friday night signed the president and freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass in the battle to save America's soul, which is now in the best soul list for four straight weeks. Hopefully five will get that word tonight. I'm going to be able to sign the books and talk to guys like Mark Reardon and others uh, live at the event. There's going to be an overflow right now. It's sold out. We're working on an overflow. So register so we can get your name in there so I can get everybody's book signed. Because I'm staying all night. I don't fly out to the next morning. Listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
11: And for a company like Disney to say that they, this bill should have never passed, first of all, Tucker, they weren't saying anything when this was going through the House. They only started doing this because the mob, the woke mob, came after them. But put that aside. Uh, for them to say that them, as a California-based company, are going to work to take those California values and overturn a law that was duly enacted and, as you said, supported by a strong majority of Floridians. They don't run this state. Uh, they will never run this state as long as I'm governor.
2: And that is uh, Governor DeSantis, obviously, ready for another four years, inauguration, a couple of weeks. And he talked about what he did to Disney, took their autonomous status away because they went after him and his uh, bill, and they mislabeled it Don't Say Gay Bill, where they subscribed to it. And they responded to their woke employees that demanded Disney take they stand. So they did and apologized to the woke employees. In turn, Governor Sand says, okay, you've lost your autonomous status. And next thing you know, the CEO lost his job, and Bob Iger is now back. And I think there's going to be a reapproachment on this. We'll see. But does he give other companies the out to say, I cannot happen to us what happened at Disney. I got to push back on my woke employees. Zach Moffitt, CEO of Targeted Victory, joins us now. You wrote a column about this, what a GOP majority means for corporate America and I'm talking about in the House. Zach, welcome.
8: Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you.
2: So I believe a watershed moment was the Disney moment, don't you think?
8: Oh, I think so. I, I think that's where it kind of got to the level that now the whole country is aware of this issue.
2: And what do you think they should take from it?
8: Well, look, I think that the reality is that if, if companies react to the Twitter mob and get caught up in it, And they're going to lose their clients. They're going to lose their customers. And and I think that there's a real reckoning that needs to be had. And I think that the reality is this is also being reflected in, you know, the people who have been elected into the House in 2022 um, after this midterm. So I think that companies need to look internally and say how reflective is our board of our actual customers and how literally one-sided are we behaving in in our behaviors and our mindsets to make sure that we're thinking about everything when we're coming up with these policies going forward.
2: So what do, you think, uh, what do you think corporate America should say to the GOP, where 50 percent of the country is voting one way? I don't care who wins one or two percentage points. What do you say to the rest of the country? What is your method? What is your recommendation? Well, I think that the first
8: thing is you have to have diversity of thought in the boardroom. I think what's, what's wrong right now is that people are listening to a small minority of the woke on, the, on Twitter and making decisions, reactive decisions, and they've kind of lost sight of their customer. And they've lost sight of where the country is. Uh, At least 50 percent, in many cases, have a totally different worldview, and yet Twitter is driving reactions. And as such, the companies are kind of running off the road into into the gutter. And I think what you've seen with Disney and to others is that there needs to be a, a, a reckoning that you need to listen to the entire country and to your company at scale and not just have 10 people in a boardroom who all see the world the same way and then are surprised when there's a massive pushback. Um, once it leaves that boardroom. And so our argument and our, our message to people is to be really thoughtful that there is a change coming and that you have to be realistic about it. I think most CEOs actually want change. I think they're surrounded by professional managerial class who just want things to be the current thing. And that's where the danger lies, because there's blind spots with CEOs all over the place.
2: Right. And this whole woke attitude of, I don't have any choice, I have to react with my employees would not be taking place if you have true diversity of thought in the, in the boardroom. Do you think companies are, are beginning to do this?
8: I think they're going to start to. I mean, I, I think that that has to be the next step, because if you don't, you're going to be in the ringer, and, and you just can't afford to be, because these companies want to behave political, but on their terms. They want to get in the fight for a couple minutes and then tap out. And the reality is, once you're in, there is no getting out. And you can either have a slow, painful gradual type, kind of in the Gillette model of toxic masculinity, or you can have this Disney model where so much pressure comes that now you actually have a, a change at the CEO level, and there has to be a completely reimagining of the relationship because of the behavior that they, they had.
2: So you remember this whole controversy with Dave Chappelle and what he might have said or not said to insult transgenders and in the special, and the Netflix employees went crazy. If Dave Chappelle's going to air, I'm going to quit or I'm going to hold my breath. Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, not only... Kept Dave Chappelle's special up. He wants another Cut 33.
10: Dave Chappelle created some controversy, as you know, on your platform. And we've been talking also about platforming, sometimes hate speech or anti-Semitic speech or other kinds of speech. How do you think about that today?
3: Our brand is trying to be the most exciting entertainment company in the world. And Chappelle is dead center for us. He is the best or one of the best. And that special was one of the most entertaining and watched specials we've ever had. We would do it again and again. So we clearly need to be more obvious and direct about that, which we've done since, you know, with employees and with um, people who care about Netflix that we're about entertainment. And Chappelle is very entertaining and, and, you know, provocative. And again, that's, a, that's the core of what we're doing. Right.
2: So, Zach Moffat, our guest CEO of Targeted Victory, Zach, does that give you hope that Netflix is standing up? I don't know what Reed Hastings stands, but he, he says, guys, funny, he's staying on. I think that's exactly right. I mean, that, that his, his message should be a message that
8: all CEOs should take in and say, this is how we're thinking about it. And we're not going to disconnect it from our customers and our employees because of 3% of people telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing. I mean, you see this time and time again. Look at the brands that are consistent to themselves, Chick-fil-A, Patagonia. People know where they are, but they're consistently there, and they're not moving back and forth to the latest current thing month over month. And I think that's exactly what Reid's laying out there. Is He's saying, here's our worldview. Here's how we see it. And this is the path we're on. If this is not the right company for you, I totally understand. It's a free market. Feel free to move on.
2: And you should do that, too. Uh, you know, I see Tom Cotton made some news, and he's saying these world corporations that are forced to make some changes – don't look to me to save you because I've been telling you this all along. Now you're in trouble because of it. And now the other thing to drill down on is this whole ESG thing, where they're discouraging investment firms and funds from investing anything in fossil fuels, even if it can mean more profit for their consumers.
8: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's right, and it's crazy. I mean, it's this this you know kind of progressive elite mindset that we know what's best for you. And, it, and you know, for investing, it's not the best return on capital. It's the best return on capital with the way I see capital should be deployed. The fact that someone coming up now does not get the same opportunities that someone did previously to get the best return on their 401k, to ensure that they're actually A part of the system and instead they're being told you can't invest here because it doesn't match my beliefs of how the world should be i think that's a total travesty and hopefully something that you know is being corrected i think it's starting to be corrected the pushback is there and i think that's the that's the next reality and i think tom cotton was exactly right when he said look what he's really saying is new alliances are being made all the time and you cannot rely on the way the way of the way the world was because you've changed it and you're disappointed now that the rules change as a result of your engagement
2: Yeah, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, down the line because you saw what happened with those companies and the Major League Baseball pulling out of Georgia because of what they perceived with the president uh, illogically named Jim Crow 2.0 about election law changes. It turns out more people showed up, more organization, everybody loved the election law with Georgia. There was no problem. Major League Baseball pulls the All-Star game out, puts it in Colorado, an all-right community. De- denying an urban environment a chance to make money out of that that to me is another hallmark moment
8: exactly it's just this, it's this gaslighting that they say something and say it must be true i mean we saw turn up up 200 100 percent improvement right from in georgia that's exactly right but what they told you it was the end of democracy it was jim crow 2.0 i mean it's disgusting the language that they use and then they tell us not to believe our eyes when it actually comes to pass and it's not true, they just move on as if there was nothing to be seen there. And I think that that's what people are seeing is that they're looking around and saying, wait, I was told it would be X, and it's not. And I would be willing to bet almost every one of those CEOs couldn't tell you what was in HR1. They didn't know anything, right? Reading Twitter and reading one-line bio on something that was pushed by the White House, it's crazy to me that you would change an entire company's philosophy based upon something as flat and simple as that. And
2: you talk about you can take a position as a company just don't let it affect your decisions. Uh, Zach Moffat, CEO of Targeted of Victory, thanks so much.
8: Thanks for having me. I appreciate
2: it. You got it. it. Uh, you're right. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back and take your calls. We'll empty all the lines and find out if there's indeed more to know. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you are here.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: Well, the truth is, if you back out by his standards to achieve what he wants to achieve, Joe Biden has been pretty darn effective. And he had just had one of the best off-year elections in American history. If it wasn't for Kevin McCarthy's leadership on the House side, the Republicans would have had a bad, bad night. And so I would say to you, uh, we have to start by being honest and respectful of our opponent, And our opponent in this case turned out to be a heck of a lot more successful than we thought he would be. Uh, Pelosi ran a dictatorship with great power in the House. You can despise it or dislike it, but it achieved what she wanted it to and what Biden wanted it to. So I think you've got to start with the reality. And that's I have a new uh, newsletter coming out about rethinking from the ground up. We, We need to understand the Republicans live in a fantasy land and do not confront the reality Of what they're up against.
2: Well, it's true. He's on a roll. If you like the direction he's leading the country, whether your economy you think is going well, congratulations. Did we add this much to the debt? Fantastic. Do you think it was great the way he left Afghanistan? Then you're you're in heaven. What about what's going on at the border? Tell me that's good. None of it's good. But if you're Joe Biden, you are punching out your checklist. That's what they consider good. We wouldn't have the Ukraine war without it. Adam is in Nevada. Hey, Adam.
14: Hey. hey, Brian. Good morning.
2: How are you? Good. What's on your mind?
14: I was thinking yesterday about the Herschel Walker and, you know, how he lost. And when I was watching, you know, uh, Fox News Hammer talking about the counties and stuff, just like in Vegas, when Adam Laxalt lost, he didn't even campaign in Las Vegas and he got demolished in there. Every Republican always goes to the safe areas because that's where the people are, but they need to talk to people that are in the heavily Democratic and explain stuff, you know, take statistics and stuff, because they don't, uh, what's it called? They don't campaign. Like, what was the most important thing they, when they interviewed the people in Las Vegas? LGBT and equality rights. While everyone's suffering with, you know, the economy and when, what's his name, closed down the whole government, the whole state. Uh, Sisolak, and the uh, unemployment insurance, it took like three months, four months. He should have kept talking about that, reminding people how bad it was. And, you know, if there were Republicans in there, it would have never have happened. But he didn't even talk about that. Laxalt just kept sending stuff about guns, guns. You know, if if I'm not in there, you know the guns. They're going to take away— yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, of I don't know. Guns. I wasn't
2: there every day. I thought he was talking about more than guns, uh, but I was shocked. He wasn't trailing in any poll, and the governor's house did flip. So there was some progress made there. There's some vulnerability. I haven't seen anyone criticize Adam Laxalt as a pick, especially with his family and their legacy and the success they had in Nevada. Appreciate your point though. Chris, WABC in Catskills, New York. Hey, Chris. Hey,
15: good morning. How are you doing? Good. I I'm a Democrat. I'm a policy wonk, fiscal conservative Democrat. If I was a resident of the state of Georgia in the general election, I would have voted for the libertarian candidate because I, I don't think both of those men are good candidates. And I don't think they're particularly the types of people I would want having elected office. OK. And there was Steve Kornacki brought up a point last night of a particular county where. The Libertarian candidate got 3.2 percent of the vote as opposed to 2.1 percent of the vote in the general election, and he said that county had a high, very high concentration of highly educated Republican voters that he theorized had voted for the Libertarian candidate. My hypothesis would be a lot of those candidates stayed home last night, and maybe some of them even voted for Warnock. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch. So that I think can account for some of the election results of what the end result was last night. And then I wanted, I had a critique for something you just said. I don't agree with uh, paid neighbor-to-neighbor programs like what you described. Well, you know, so let's get that up front. But you use the word per- low propensity voters, so that would be an inclination or natural tendency to behave in a particular way. So in the beginning, you're saying they're they're not likely to show up, and in the end, you're saying that they were converted cause to change or form, character or function. So basically your, your premise by making that string of statements is that those voters in the beginning, they're not likely to show up to vote at all. And then by using the word convert, you're saying, well, they would have voted for the Republican candidate.
2: Yeah, it wasn't me. Uh, that, was, uh, that was one way to get people out. You could do the door-knocking traditional uh, way to go. There's also this called paid relationship organizing. So you pay people to create these relationships in almost an extended family, and then you go out there again, and you try to follow up with them, and you try to convince them of your way. But instead of doing one-on-one or hope an ad hits home or a, or a town hall resonates, they have people who know the area do the work for you, and you pay them. So it's just an area to get out the vote and convert the vote to somebody you want them to vote for. It's something a little bit different. You know, let's see if it's going to be effective. It works for the Democrats. Gerard WSKY in beautiful Gainesville, Florida. Hey, Gerard.
8: Hey, good morning. Um, What uh, I think with the Walt Disney issue is that uh, companies have to use good business sense. They don't audiences don't want to be lectured to. And whether you are for gay rights or against gay rights. It's the medium in which you're lecturing to them. People don't want to see same-sex cartoon characters and be, be preached to. So what happens is is people vote with their pocketbooks, and that's the reason why the chairman was fired. And again, they just have to have good business sense and make a product that their audience wants to have and you know stop with the politics. I think that's why they're in uh, trouble and why Hollywood in general is in trouble, because audiences don't like to be lectured to.
2: They don't like to be lectured to, especially by people who have perceived themselves above you. Uh, and let's be honest, I mean, how many people you know are going to the movies at the same rate they were? How many people are reevaluating all the subscriptions they are? And now all of a sudden people are looking at trying to staff the Hollywood cast, let's say. You know, it's hard enough to get actors, but now you got to get a diverse group of cameramen and women, of key grips, of lighting people. Instead of going with the people you... Like and have worked within the past that are produced in the clutch, regardless of their skin color or gender or sexual preferences. now you have to sit there and balance out your um in if you want financing or if you want to be eligible for an award. So the political correctness is infecting Hollywood at every level, people going to the movies, people doing the movies, people working on the movies, and people financing the movies. and they started I believe they started this culture war, so they deserve to suffer in it. Francis, uh, who's listening in Auburn, Alabama? Hey, Francis.
14: Hey, I just am so frustrated with this election in Georgia. I mean, I've had to look at these advertisements in Georgia forever. Can we please put a nail in Trump's coffin? I mean, let's be done with him. I am so tired of this. I voted for him twice. I understand it, but it's it's it we're never gonna get anywhere if we stay on the Trump train. You,
7: I mean, would
2: you believe he's at fault because he put pick Walker? I mean the people at Georgia pick Walker. <sighs> no, he was his pick, but I mean he won the primary.
14: Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. But he was a terrible candidate and everybody knew it and I'm I'm just I'm just so frustrated by it. I mean he couldn't
2: I will say this, I, I feel your frustration, Francis, but you have to realize too, 88% of his coverage about him, of a guy that's a Heisman Trophy winner and a legend in Georgia, was negative. So even if he was the perfect candidate, without any problems in his background, one marriage, two kids, all loving him, they were going to find a way to pull him back. Should he have won anyway? Yeah, perhaps. I think Raphael Warnock's got some huge problems. No one ever reported it. Just like no one's reporting this Twitter story. When we come back, well, keep it here. Brian Kilmey Show. BrianKilmey.com. Find out where I'll be in the President Freedom Fighter Tour. Got to stop in beautiful St. Louis, then McCallum, Texas, before that point, Pleasant, New Jersey.
1: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. I come to you. Uh, From 48th and 6th in midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Bottom of the hour, Doug Collins brings me inside the Georgia race, which went to the Democrats again. Uh, Herschel Walker loses and Rich Lowry, the editor of Nash review of the case for nationalism. He'll be talking about what's left of the conservative movement uh, as they have a lot to crow about and a lot to be sad about because there was a lot of missed opportunities here as they try to keep the Biden administration under wraps who are ignoring the border, uh, allowed to get away with Afghanistan, allowed to get away with rising inflation when they told it was transitory. But somehow... The president remains strong and strongly thinking about running for another four years in another uh, for another four years in another two years. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now, with the stories you need to know,
3: it's Brian's big three. Number three, Republicans won every single statewide contest this cycle, with the exception of the U.S. Senate race. I think that shows what a weak candidate Herschel Walker was.
2: Maybe, uh, perhaps. Warnock wins and gets six more years in the Senate. Herschel, the GOP, and Trump lose the runoff. It'll be 51-49 in the Senate for two years, and now Manchin and Cinema are marginalized.
4: Number two. I think this is criminally negligent uh, by the DHS leadership. They're allowing drugs to flow in our country to kill thousands of Americans every year. They're allowing terrorists to come in our country, and they're doing nothing to fix it.
2: Yep, Senator Lindsey Graham, utter defiance. President Biden goes to a border state but blows off his first ever border visit. What does that mean for Texas in Arizona and New Mexico as Title 42 goes away? What can a Republican House make him do?
5: Number one. And it was pretty obvious who was suppressing that information, who was the person with the biggest motive. It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the quarterback of the uh, fbi russia collusion scandal
2: getting bigger the twitter scandal grows and once again an fbi guy's in the middle of it his, his name very familiar jim baker still suppressing information even after elon musk took over twitter fired on sunday rich lowry joins us now at a national review rich first off for jim baker to be the zealot of all this to be in the middle with comey as his lead attorney. And the Clinton emails to be part of the Russia hoax and the uh, phony link to Alpha Bank, the to preside over the dossier and not nix it as false information. And now to get fired after being disgraced and end up at Twitter still deciding what gets out after Elon Musk gets the job. It's stunning to think this is all one guy.
16: Yeah, it's 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 bizarre and and just it, it never uh, you know our, our colleague Andy McCarthy was was making this this point that people who said in the initial batch there's no no smoking gun there's no government involvement yeah there there's no email you know from from uh, the Biden campaign or uh, from from the FBI saying suppress the hunter Biden laptop story but you had these these briefings they're just extraordinary going on a routine basis from the FBI to what in effect is a media organization? can you imagine that like in the in the 1980s 80s, the FBI routinely briefing the Washington Post on what it should publish and not publish. I mean, the Post would have uh, uh, wouldn't have stood for it. To get out of here, we're not listening to you. We're, we're not an agent yeah. uh, of the uh, intelligence apparatus of, of the United States. It's it's crazy, and that we somehow got in a situation just speaks to the the moral panic that was created by the erroneous idea that there was collusion or the Russians elected Donald Trump. And and there are people still in the, the grip of that mania to this day. Yeah,
7: they
2: don't acknowledge it. They don't they only acknowledge the, the would-be scandal of Trump's link to Vladimir Putin. Why does he do these things? And when it goes away, they just move on. Yep. Miranda Devine weighed in last night, the author of Laptop from Hell. Cut five.
5: And it was pretty obvious who was suppressing that information, who was the person with the biggest motive. It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the top lawyer at the FBI, the quarterback of the uh, FBI-Russia collusion uh, scandal. Um, And he had had to leave the FBI because of that. And lo and behold, he shows up at Twitter five months before the 2020 election. And lo and behold, one little element did come out In the Twitter files Friday night, it was this one email uh, that had the date and time removed from it, very peculiarly. But it was from James Baker, and it was uh, weighing in on the decision on the morning of October 14, 2020, a few hours after our story uh, came out. um, And there was James Baker weighing in on the side of censorship. No surprise.
2: No surprise. And the fact that he tried to stay rich through this... Elon Musk found out because Barry Weiss wanted to know what was the slowdown with the information that was coming out after the first tranche came forward. And then she found out there's legal problems. They said, well, who's behind it? They said Jim Baker. They said the same Jim Baker. They said she said her draw dropped to the floor. She couldn't believe it.
16: Yeah, so I, you know, I think what Eon's been doing is great. I think he's an entrepreneurial genius. Obviously, maybe a little stretched thin now, but that he didn't know, <laughs> how would he not figure? That, you know, this is the same uh, Jim Baker, and he's still at your company, and of course he's going to be vetting these documents because he's he's the the lawyer. But just we've heard a lot from this this kid e- Yoel Roth. I might be saying his name incorrectly. Who is the head of quote unquote trust and safety uh, at at Twitter? And he's exactly what you would expect you know he's he's gone now, thank goodness, but a total progressive soaked in these notions you know that speech is is inherently harmful and and we need to protect people by, by censoring things, but even he said that they they got it wrong on the uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story, but I don't blame that guy so much as as the Jim Bakers of the world, the FBI agents who are doing the briefing, and these officials fifty one of them, whatever it was, who signed that that letter, which was so dishonest and was meant to give permission for all of the media to uh, ignore or e- even worse, report that the, the laptop was, was Russian dis- disinformation. I'm not sure anyone on that letter has, has apologized. There was, there was a guy on it you know, who was on Bret Baier about a month ago, right? And yeah. he defended it because, oh, we, didn't, we actually said it just has the earmarks. We didn't say it literally was. But you read the letter, and everything in it is meant to suggest that this is Russian disinformation, and there are some, some weasel words to cover themselves but, All but, right. uh, yeah. Let's hear apologies from every single one of those people.
2: I don't know. Does Russian disinformation have Hunter Biden doing crack in cookers? I, that, I mean, well, there's so much in there that has nothing to do with anything Russia could come up with. I don't, I don't know.
16: Yeah, and then the idea that, that how, how – uh, it would be a huge risk. You're going to undertake the sensitive operation to uh, hopefully affect the, the outcome of a U.S. election. And what you're going to do is you're just going to leave a, a laptop in a repair shop having no idea what will happen to it, whether it will be reported to anyone, whether it will get to the FBI, whether it will get in the media – it's crazy. It was always. It was cra- It took about you know an hour to think about it. And you're like, no, this makes zero sense. But 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 these these guys uh, did everything that they they could to promote a lie about a really important news story.
2: Right. Of course, it. the computer repair shop, mm-hmm. an interview with him, uh, tra- uh, that Archer Devin Archer, who has now uh, got himself in trouble for a business partner, You say, hey, is this Hunter? Is this is this your email from Devin Archer? Archer, Devin Archer, is this your email? This is the FBI. You know, you're lying to me. You go to jail. Tell me the truth. That's what happens, and they had it in 2019. But as we find out more information on this, you just wonder if anything's going to change. Because you do have all of a sudden people saying, why is the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago for Mm -hmm. records that you think a librarian should have got out of? Now, should Trump have taken them? No. Why bother? Do people take things they don't – inadvertently? Sure. Did he take too many? Absolutely. Now, do you really think you have to have a major international story of an FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago? And are you going to tell me that this is – the FBI is not weighing in here because they didn't directly say – This is disinformation. They told the outlets. Look out for this information. Looks exactly like this. Are we supposed to buy either one of those things? It makes people
16: distrust a a investigative arm we need. Yeah. So I I think the Mar-a-Lago raid, both sides should have stood down. I think Trump should have been more cooperative and uh, not not pushed it to this point and the, the government should have found some other way to, to go about it but the initial stories you know I m- remember Brian when we talked about this at the time the Washington Post that they're nuclear secrets you know <laughs> they're nuclear codes in these documents and then they had a story a, a week or two ago I was like no actually Trump just, just liked having some of this stuff for mementos and then once people started asking him he, is, he got his back up and he's like no you're not going to have them but that was always a, again the commonsensical explanation but they, they've they always gone to the, the darkest dire scenarios and it's why for a lot of people they've they've uh, destroyed any credibility they had
2: right I mean if you were for two and a half years under scrutiny saying that you have this Russia plot the rich Lowry Brian Kilmeade plot with Vladimir Putin that could end us but put us both in jail Neither one of us did it, but all of a sudden you got got three networks blaring yep. these linkages and these pictures and uh, other people that work for us, and it's a big deal. Well, when I leave the White House, maybe I'm going to go, hey, you know what? I don't even know what's in those packages. You, you mm-hmm. don't know either, so I'll just say this. I'm just going to take a few of these boxes in case you come at me again with the Russia probe mm-hmm. that's suddenly going to disappear and link me again. I'm going to take some of them, and I'm going to take that Kim Jong-un letter, too, because I kind of like that. It's trophies. Having yeah. said that, now we have another uh, – the FBI in the middle of that. I can't wait to see the whistleblowers come forward. I hope they use their faces and names. So we'll have to see if anything does, in fact, change because, Rich, I know if you notice, I know you love Fox, but if you put on CNN and NBC, CBS, or ABC, yep. nobody covered – this whole unfolding yeah, of, of the Twitter scandal.
16: <laughs> no, of course it's it's uh, you know they, they didn't call it Russian Russian disinformation, but that's kind of their attitude that this must be ignored because it's inherently illegitimate. And this has been so telling about the the must takeover Twitter. Obviously, that the left considered it their playpen. They they uh, knew or, or believed they were accurate about this that their people were in control of it and were setting the rules in their favor. And now that that's been disrupted and. Bis- by a guy that quite sincerely as far, as far as I can tell wants it to be as free speech oriented as possible they've been freaking out and throwing this enormous temper tantrum and you know criticizing Matt Taibbi for for publishing publishing news right he's he's the, the, just that the handmaiden of this awful billionaire what is he doing well it was information you know this doesn't happen all the time you know this is how reporters get half their stories someone that they're kind of friendly with gives them documents right or, or gives them a tip And then they they uh, they they go and report it and and write about it. But it's it's wrong if it's it's, if it's done in a way that's not welcome to their narrative.
2: Absolutely. Rich Larry, our guest. Rich, uh, I'm sure I have to tell you that Raphael Warnock won, Herschel lost. What is your takeaway from this? What has to change? Yeah, I mean, it's
16: just—it's just really bad. Raphael Warnock is out of step with the political mainstream of Georgia. He had his his own personal issues. His church has been evicting tenants from its low-income housing, and Republicans had four shots to defeat him—four in the last uh, two years, a uh, a general and a runoff each time—and failed. Every single time. So this is a stinging indictment of the Republican Party, and I think you know this time around, Herschel, you know, I think he he did his best. I, I like the guy, but there was just too much. You know, there there's just too much baggage. He was a flawed candidate. The the suburbs just was, they weren't going to go for him. Where they would go for Brian Kemp or or more conventional uh, type Republican, and you know he came up just short. But it's short, and it it matters, as you were, you were saying, and you're you're saying in your run down now you know cinema and uh, mansion who are key swing votes and key, key uh, uh, suppressing on what they're trying to do in the Senate they, they're uh, the progressives are trying to do in the Senate they they don't matter as much anymore now we got the House, which uh, um, will stop a lot of, of bad things from happening. But still, this is not uh, – this is really, really depressing. We need, we need better candidates, and we also need to raise more money. That, that's just the structural advantage now that Democrats have, and it played out in race after race around the country.
2: So for people who think the Republicans' only problem is Donald Trump, you say no, it isn't. Uh, as Ron DeSantis has emerged as an intriguing candidate – one that's going to be quite challenging for the left. You say DeSantis' derangement syndrome is in full bloom.
16: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing more and more of this, right? It's not like, oh, I disagree with his policies or, you know, wish he hadn't done this to Disney or whatever. It's like he's an authoritarian who's bent on destroying American democracy. Oh, and by the way, he was mean to people in high school, you know, and and this is just it's the coverage of every single Republican who has been president or had a really good chance of becoming president in our lifetimes. This this is just what they do, and it's going to get worse before it gets better.
2: Well, we'll have to see, because if DeSantis doesn't mind a fight, but if it slows him down and makes him... Uh, a repellent to independents and Democrats, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he has the same problem as President Trump.
16: Yep. So, I mean, that's the key is it it helps him to be hated by the media with Republicans. Right. And in a nomination fight with Trump, this this will help him. This will be one of his calling cards. But you you don't want to play into the stereotype um, and, and 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 get your image poisoned for the middle because the, the middle, and this is the midterms were an indication of this, the middle still matters. You know, Trump in 16 won independence, he won suburbanites. He didn't in 20. That made a big difference. Republicans didn't win independence in midterms, and if you're going to focus on one thing, that's why they lost. All right, or, Rich, or at least had a disappointing night.
2: Rich Lowry, thanks so much. Uh, he's the editor of Nash Review. Uh, and you can follow him at Rich Lowry on Twitter, which is owned by Elon Musk. Thanks, Rich. Uh-huh. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Be back with your calls in just a moment. Bottom of the hour, we go inside what happened in Georgia with Doug Collins. I was texting with him all night. I saw Herschel was up, and I said, what do you think? He said, most of the votes out there are all Warnock. And I said, uh-oh. And sure enough, I, uh, you watch Warnock pull away and not give up. He, loses, he wins by two points over Herschel. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: I think the, the, there's a, probably a greater likelihood the house flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome.
2: And there you go. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. That's what many people would say is the d- difference with why Herschel Walker lost and maybe some other candidates didn't. I think Herschel had a lot of upside. I did not know the personal things around him. I would know one thing. He was a, he's definitely a charismatic guy that had a huge following in Georgia. And even though Donald Trump pushed for him, he won that primary on his own without even debating. Mike, listen on WNDB in Daytona. Hey, Mike.
14: Hey, Brian. Uh,
15: Brian, in one conservative man's opinion, the future of the country lies largely with uh, three pr- high-profile individuals. One, Elon Musk. Two, Ron DeSantis. And three, Tucker Carlson. What do you think about that, Brian? We need Elon Musk needs to be not taken over by the Biden administration or interfered with. Can Ron DeSantis actually uh, ascend to the highest office in the land? And can Tucker tell us the good and the bad about what's going on in the world and continue to be the uh, fantastic independent journalist that he is? I
2: don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, Ron DeSantis got to get in the game. It's like preseason, uh, pre-season predictions. Until you start playing, until you start going to the primaries, until you start get pressed by hostile reporters, until you go out on the stump, until you actually get in front of the people outside Florida and maybe outside New York and California, you don't know. So until you get in the game, you just don't know, let alone the debate stage. That'll tell a lot. Debbie in Queens, WABC. Debbie, real quick.
4: Okay, Brian, listen. Uh, Biden has been deteriorating. For two
14: years, there's no way he's going to run in four years. There's no way he's going to be able to run. That's number one. Number two, Donald Trump, I mean, we all love him. He's not electable, and he's a smart man. Somebody's got to tell him. So somebody's got to figure out who the candidates are going to be in 2024.
2: Well, we'll figure it out, primary by primary. Debbie, WABC, thank you. Uh, Listen, when we come back, Doug Collins, what happened in Georgia, and how do Republicans get it back? This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian
15: Kilmeade Show. And these elections that go on for a week, and you know, it seems like every time in these elections, Republicans are up, and then five days later, you know, you're going to lose. I mean, it always ends that way. So I think that undermines confidence. But I think it really ultimately begins from the campaigns with the approach, and that is a voter is a voter, and it doesn't matter the voter voted by mail or voted early or voted on election day. A vote is a vote, and what you want to do is make sure that you're making it as easy as possible for people to vote. And as a candidate. for your supporters to vote. So look, some people in Florida have to vote by mail. It is a seasonal state. As you well know, there are a lot of people that don't live in Florida uh, and don't come down to Florida until December. They're full-time residents, but they're not there that time of year. They have to vote by mail.
2: And that is Marco Rubio saying, hey, Republicans, I know you want Election Day, but the rules have changed. Adjust or lose. Doug Collins knows all about that. He's a former congressman from uh, Georgia, ranking member of the U.S. House Judiciary Committee, author of The Clock and the Calendar. Uh, He's also got a very successful podcast. Uh, Doug, nobody better to talk to about what went wrong in Georgia than you. What went wrong in Georgia?
9: Well, I think the thing, Brian, it's good to be with you. I think several things. Number one, the start off top. Herschel Walker never could convince enough voters that he could be a senator. And in the light of everything that was being thrown at him, $50, $60 million in the runoff, the hundreds of millions before then, uh, there was never a, a position in which he could go to camera in which would suffice people with the concerns that they had now they overcame a great deal republicans did show up but inherently the democrats uh warnock's argument uh got back out and democrats showed back up and i think what was just said by marco rubio in the clip he just played is very very important we now have got to look forward as republicans to several things number one we got to redo how we approach elections period we got to understand that candidates and the fundamentals still matter and we've got to look at it from a perspective of uh, saying, are we actually speaking to the voters that we're trying to elect? us?" And, and this idea that, that we're only going to vote at a certain day in a certain way is, is just ludicrous. We've got to get we've got to debunk that notion.
2: You do. And by the way, for people like Mitch McConnell, who say candidate qu- uh, quality matters, he was the one who picked Kelly Loeffler, who might yep. be a wonderful woman, had a lot of money, uh, <laughs> but she was not a great candidate. She was terrible.
9: We've got to get out of the idea, and and again, and I, I don't mean this. You know, again, we just is honestly, some experience matters. And even if you don't have experience, the candidates who have won with no experience, and you can go all the way to Donald Trump and others, knew how to engage audiences. They knew how to clearly articulate a message. And if you've not done it, you simply just can't wake up one day and say, okay, I can be a candidate. I understand this. And if you've got baggage and background, which uh, you know, and again, McConnell signed off on Walker as well. Knowing a lot of what was happening, but we never had the vetting here because Walker's team never engaged in the primary down here, and because but they, they won they the primary though, right Doug yeah, but they what now
2: they won the primary. Herschel won the primary,
9: oh, yeah, there was never in doubt, but I mean, between the Trump endorsement that which he had and the fact that he is a living legend among football fans in the state of Georgia. But what was bad was, is, is Brian. He never engaged in a debate, and there was legitimate, serious candidates running. Uh, the former, uh, the current AG commissioner down here, Bill Gary Black, uh, Latham Sadler, who could have helped in the way of helping Herschel become a better candidate, maybe in how he presented himself. But that never happened. So then you had to start from fresh in June, and we knew the media was going to hammer him unmercifully. And the campaigns were going to happen, and they started in June, and it, and it just was something that they had to overcome. And at the end of the day, uh, in Georgia, uh, you, you've got to have a campaign in which you're connecting to the people and cutting the turnout in Atlanta. And frankly, that just didn't happen last time.
2: Why did uh, Kemp win, and the media was mostly against him, and Stacey Ames is a golden child, and why did Herschel lose?
9: Uh, I think a couple of things. One is the perception of, comp, you know, the perception of the, how the candidate was presenting themselves. Kemp had the fact that he had kept the state open, that they had that we had the economics were good. He was an incumbent. That always helps. Stacey Abrams had left the state uh, in very, a lot of uh, even Democrat voters say, I can't vote. I don't want to vote for Stacey. She's forgot about who we are. She's just using us as a stepping stone. Uh, and the other Republicans up and down the line, if you have – Brian, if you have anybody on your show or anybody on the TV or anybody that says Georgia is a purple state, send them to me. I'll debate them for free anywhere they want to. It is not a purple state. We had a specific races, these two Senate races in particular, that's, that uh, we had issues with candidates and we had issues with message. But the rest of the slate won by eight, nine points. I mean, you just it's just there. And they did it because they looked forward. They talked about accomplishments. They talked about what they wanted to do. And it was – this is how you win elections.
2: Right. It uh, must be frustrating for you.
9: Very much so. <laughs> I mean, it is in the sense of, look, I just see us wasting away, you know, things that we could have done. And, and, and again, it's just now we have – Georgia has legitimately got a senator who should not – does not represent a great deal of, of what Georgia is about. He's, got, he's now got six years. office is in the middle of his six-year term. He's got four years. And the rest of this state, the state legislature, governor, everything else, is, is red – but these two.
2: Unbelievable. Uh, so we'll see what happens from there. Do you think Governor Kemp is a national presidential candidate?
9: I, I don't. I, not right now. I mean, I, 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 I think he's got, you know, things that can help the, the party. Uh, again, this is where, Brian, I, I want to think is an interesting thing. I think both parties have this syndrome of one election or one speech making the next big thing. And I think that's what you saw down here a little bit. It's what you saw in uh, Pennsylvania and some other places. One of the things that we've got to do is is we've got to find out, you know, can they hand it long-term, long-term messy? and I don't care who you are. Um, for Republicans to win the, the president, they're going to have to compete in states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. And what may win in Georgia and may win in other places may not win there. So I think we've got to start now saying what is the message to win these voters to say that conservatism matters in a forward-looking vision, you know, like Reagan gave.
2: I think Kemp has shown a lot, though. I mean, on pure performance, let alone beating Stacey Abrams, then he had four good years, uh, and then he goes ahead and wins. Meanwhile, in terms of totals, 1.9 million runoff votes were cast in Georgia by mail and during early voting, and Mm 1.4 yesterday – for anybody who say this is Jim Crow two point oh, we want minorities to stay home. They just don't have a case.
9: No, there is no case. And look, it was it was always a bluff, and it was mainly and and let's distinguish this a little bit. Warnock had a lot to, some to do with it, but this was Stacey Abrams. This was the Stacey Abrams uh, Eric Holder uh, you know lie that was perpetrated upon uh, Georgia that there was this mass, you know, suppression going on and it wasn't showing. And when they try to bring up like one person who had their credentials or their possibilities checked is is suppression, that's just bogus. And, you know, we saw this. But here's the problem. Um, Warnock won. I think I saw the number last night. I think it was either 57 or 58 to 43. Warnock won the early voting
2: last night. And that was because Republicans, for the most part, don't have a strategy for that.
9: Exactly. And we and they're wanting to go in on the day of or, or what. And and, this, and really, Brian, this is frustrating, too, because in Georgia in particular, if you got it to a runoff, Republicans won. That was sort of the old strategy in Georgia is, is we won runoffs. And and unfortunately, that just didn't, you know, hadn't spun true because of not only I mean, just think about it. And people say, well, what does early vote matter if you have your voters show up on election day? Well, Here's what it matters. The voters that got turned out for Warnock in the early may have never voted. If they have their ground game going to knocking on doors, seeing people who may not have thought about the election, say, hey, you can go early vote today here on a Saturday or Sunday. Come with me and let's go vote. That may be, you know, one vote multiplied, you know, multiple times over that provides the balance. If you look at it from the perspective, Warnock probably went into last night with about 100,000 to 150, depending on how you want to cut the number, vote in the bank lead before the before day of voting even started
2: so uh, talking to Doug Collins, Doug you know what's going on now with Elon Musk and you know what's going on with Twitter, James yep. Baker involved in deciding what uh, Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss get to expose to the public, the same guy that was a <laughs> part of the Russian hoax the Durham probe, the Hillary Clinton email burying the dossier he ends up at Twitter, deciding what Matt Taibbi reports on. Finally fired. Put that in perspective from a guy that was all over this.
9: Oh, it's like this is like a plague that has enveloped our country for the last few years. And the names Baker, McCabe, Struck, Comey—I mean—they're all just coming back up in all these places. And and for Baker to have that position, for and frankly, I'm really concerned here that Elon Musk didn't understand that position. To put it in, as you said, determining what they could actually put out, that's a problem. And, and, and I mean, it really concerns me on what is actually not getting put out in these. I'm glad this Twitter dump is happening. But my question is, is there stuff that was Baker was holding back that should have been put out there? Uh, again, to see them put in places to control the narrative is very disturbing. And if you see the name McKay, Baker, McKay, Comey, all
11: these, you need to be very, very concerned.
2: Right. Uh, too badly, I must didn't realize that uh, overall. Here's what Tucker Carlson said. Cut eight.
11: On the question of the control that tech has over people's minds, not only will Republicans not get elected if that continues, we won't have a democracy. You can't have a democracy in a country in which information is centrally controlled because people don't have the information necessary to make informed decisions. So, you no, know, this, this is the actual threat to democracy when the FBI tells a tech company to hide information from voters three weeks before an election, that's not a democracy. It's less than a democracy, obviously.
2: So that's what people are worried about. They're not trusting the system. No one's really complaining about this election. I know Carrie Lake is going to file a suit about what went wrong in Maricopa County in Arizona, and she was a favorite to win that governorship. But besides that, I think people are trusting that. But the fact that the FBI is still all over this, raiding Mar-a-Lago, 12 whistleblowers stepping up, we got a lot of stuff to straighten out in the next two years.
9: Oh, you do, and 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 look, Maricopa, Maricopa counties are just a special brand of stupid. Okay, that's all I can say about that. Um, you know, and it's just it's like one job, and you can't make computers work on the day that we're supposed to have the election. But back to something else that's concerning and frustrating for me now about this Senate race and the in the results out of it, the fifty-one votes for uh, Chuck Schumer in the United States Senate now means they now have sole power over subpoenas. In the committees my concern is you're going to see a tale of two cities you're going to have the house over there doing stuff that we've known needs to be done for the last two years and i think possibly what could happen if they don't like what they're hearing you're going to have the dueling opposite in the senate and we saw this a little bit about seven eight years ago and they'll have the subpoena power if we could have kept the power sharing agreement then they couldn't have got the subpoena power this 51st vote gives them subpoena power so that they can then turn around mm. And you know, if and I, I cringe to even think about this, if they wanted to go back and and look at, the, at President Trump, if they wanted to go back and look at January sixth, they wanted to go back and look at you know Republican whatever, they have the power to do that now. And so, a lot rode on this race, and it's and it's frustrating that it went the, it went the way it did.
2: Right, uh, but how do we get your podcast, Doug?
9: Oh, you got anywhere you get your podcast? Find a podcast, go to the Doug Collins podcast, and it'll come right up.
2: All right, Doug Collins, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
9: Thanks, buddy. Take
1: care.
2: All right, we come back. We'll find out if there's more to know and take your phone calls. you will listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Wrapping up the hour.
1: Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. You guys are not going
6: to believe this, but uh, Alex Jones and Kanye West got together this week, and it didn't go great. (laughs) Kanye West made anti-Semitic jokes and said, I like Hitler, which is also the password he used to get into (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. At this point, I don't think Kanye is off his meds so much as he's immune to them. We're basically dealing with the Omicron variant of Kanye. You know, like we thought he'd fade away, but now we realize we may have to live with the brain fog of long-haul Kanye. What I don't understand about this Kanye stuff is if Jews do control the media, then how are we still seeing a new interview with Kanye every day? Also, if Jews
8: control the media, explain the 80-foot Christmas tree outside of NBC.
2: And there you go. That was uh, from SNL talking about Kanye West and the meltdown that was last week, right?
13: Correct. Yeah, the back half of that was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, Kanye, kind of, it's just unbelievable how tragic it is. Let's find out if there's even more to know, believe it or not.
1: More to know.
2: It looks like we're not getting back to work yet. Office, office occupancy is still way down at the beginning of the end of the week, according to Axios. Tuesday and Wednesday, the most popular days to come to work. Uh, before the pandemic, most office workers came in every single day. Can you imagine that? With a slight drop-off on Fridays. A lot of people, especially in the summer in New York City, don't come in on Fridays that's bad news for people in commercial real estate, isn't it? That is true. But they do say they're sort of like reinventing
13: that. And also, I think if you're a younger employee, if you do really want to like move up in your career, you need to come in more often.
2: Good point. Next, have a dentist say patients are high on marijuana during checkups as personal and medical marijuana use increases all over the country. New poll, new poll finds of dentists that 52% suspect a significant number of their patients are high. If I could see that because it's somewhat of a painkiller and somewhat of a number. A lot of people are stressed about it. That's when they take pot, according to experts in this building.
13: Yeah, we just, like, calm them down a little bit. That's when they take
2: it, yes. Right, uh, when they take it. Uh, meanwhile, I also think it's a problem because usually you drive to your dentist appointment, so you shouldn't be doing that. That is problematic. Dentists cut back on care when you're high, though, so they'll limit you. and Maybe charge you twice as much. You're not paying attention. Uh, next. Best coffee of 2022, the top five brands, Stump Town Coffee, Portland Bound Coffee from uh, has gained national recognition for its selection of mouthwatering blends, Intellentia, Intelligentsia, if you're looking for an excellent quality coffee, you'll get straight to the point, Blue Bottle, and the fourth is Death Wish, and five is equal exchange. I don't know any of these.
13: I was going to say, do you, Eve, can you even tell the difference in coffee if you have it?
2: Oh, I can. Uh, if it's good, Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and you barely need anything in it. You need to taste the coffee in it, unless it's really bad, like gas station coffee. Next. Uh, guess what? Maryland has banned TikTok and state agencies, the latest state to act. It comes a week after South Dakota Governor Chris, Chris, uh, Christy Nome did it. Finally, it looks like Governor Hogan wants to use that as he gets ready to run for president, don't you think?
13: I mean, it makes sense. He's but going a little bit more to the right, following Christy Nome. We'll see.
2: Next. Despite U.S. losses, Fox Sports expects World Cup to keep on surging in terms of viewers. They had thirteen million viewers for the US Netherlands World Cup game on Saturday. We'll now have to finish this tournament coverage without arguably the biggest draw. The US lost three one, as you know. Uh, I think people continue to watch it down to eight, only one non European team. Will you will you watch?
13: Um, if it's on, I really will. I don't know if I'll necessarily be like searching for it, but I did see what the final go with what was it, Spain versus Morocco and Morocco won. That was a big upset right
2: big upset next Mindy Kaling she was on it. she started her own series all off the office she calls the show the office so inappropriate now and admits most characters would be canceled but it doesn't explain why in repeats in syndication it is a runaway so popular right especially they say with teenagers
13: because it's hilarious and they did things before they were afraid of being canceled
2: and yes people want to be have fun they can have fun and not be insulting it's called comedy. It shows you America hasn't changed. Just what's acceptable to Americans has changed. That is true. Uh, Meanwhile, Nick Boliteri, Hall of Fame tennis coach, has passed away at the age of 91. He's been uh, at the center of just about every great player, especially Andre Agassi. Next, Trevor Noah signing off as guest host for Comedy Central, The Daily Show. Starting January 17th, we'll have a rotating roster of hosts. Al Franken, Chelsea Handler... D.L. Ugly, Leslie Jones, John Lugozamo, Hassan whatever, Cal Penn, Sarah Silverman, Wanda Sykes, Marlon Wayans, all with are going to be doing The Daily Show. As we enter Trevor's final week, we want to thank him for his many contributions. But it didn't go well. Replacing John Stewart's not easy. He did not do well. It just got even more political, unfortunately. Yeah, it got political, but so so slanted and not creative and not funny. Nobody watched. We'll see if these others can save it. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Make sure you join me in St. Louis. Friday night, Point Pleasant, New Jersey, next Friday night.